Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. We have some great ideas to discuss with you today. And normally what we do is we talk about three different subjects. You know, first one is retirement update. The second one is tactical asset management. And the third one is news you can use. But in our first segment of retirement update today, we're going to be talking about how do, how do you determine, how do you project what your return is going to be? In other words, if you're approaching retirement, wh- where do you get the numbers? Where do you get the numbers yeah. that tell you, okay, this is what I'm going to make on my portfolio. And this is the scary part for a lot of people that are doing this right. on their own, right? And this is the hard part that you find online. Myself, and I'm sure a lot of others have gone online and there's so many calculators that say, do I have enough? Right. You know, what's my target number? What's my nest egg need to be? And you start going through that, um, you know, the different boxes, you know, what's your income needs? What's your expenses? How much do you currently have? You go through those. And then there's a question that says, what's the assumption of the interest rate? What's your rate of return? What's the return that you're going to get? They usually right. also ask you inflation, which you know, <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> that they're asking you these two items. And even when you go through kind of financial planning coursework, one of the things they, they have you ask the client is what's your assumption for inflation? What's your assumption for the rate of return? And, you know, they look back at you as the advisor and say, I have no idea. That's yeah. why I'm here. That's like, your job. That's, that's not my job. <laughs> but all these calculators have this section where they're asking you for what is the assumed rate. And that is not an easy number to put in there and it has drastic differences. Yeah. I mean, again, you can look at historical perspectives, but I mean, that's going back almost 100 years or more. But the world is a different world today than it was in 1940 or 1925 or even 1970. I mean, it's just a different world and the economics are different. So looking at historical data and taking the averages over the last hundred years, you know, my first question is, is how long do you think you're going to live? Right. Yeah. yeah. And how useful is that? Like you said, you know, think about a hundred years ago. I mean, all the things our country has gone through and how different we are, um, you do those hold up. So if you look to a hundred year perspective, the, the average rate of return for equities is 10%. Right. And the average rate of return for bonds is 5%. And that's just straight. So if you take inflation into that, then it goes down to 7% for equities and 2% for bonds. So that's kind of the inflation adjusted. Yeah. And I, and I think that, of course, another way that you can do is you can you can go on. There's a lot of, you know, from Vanguard to BlackRock to a lot of different companies that provide you their assumptions. In other words, what I call the expert opinion block. Yep. And you can go from, you know, the people that are really bullish about the future, but also in there, you're going to find the people that are very bearish about the future. And, and everybody has their bias yep. as to what they think is going to happen in the future. And I, I'll be the first one to tell you they're all wrong. Yep. Nobody knows what the future is going to. I mean, if anybody would have assumed that we would have been going through a pandemic uh, over the last two years and the impact that that has on not only portfolios, but in people's lives, there's no way you would have uh, predicted that. Right. And even mid-March 2020, you know, no one was predicting the growth after everything came down. Right. That we were going to have you know, record-setting years 
um, going forward. No, no one is predicting that either. So the, the experts right now, you know, there's a lot of them out there, but a few that we just kind of sampled from, we're saying going forward, this next 2022, that they're projecting that, that equities and stock, you know, stock type things would return 3.4% and that bond type things would return 1.9%. And that's over the next 10 years. So it's, that's, that's low. I mean, that, that's yeah. very low in the next 10 years. But there has been, there has been times, so if we go back to 2000 through 2010, the average rate of return was 1% a year. Mm. Now that takes into account the downturn after the dot-com blow up in 1999 and 2000, and also the downturn in 2008. So it depends on if you were tactical or not. Yeah. So if you just stayed in the marketplace, you were going to get, your, your returns were very lackluster, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's a difficult moment. So you're going through you know, these, these websites to right. say, do I have enough? Will this be enough for my life going forward? Is my nest egg appropriate? And that, that, that box of assumption that you're going through, you know, it, historically, I don't know if that's still accurate. You look at the experts, I don't know if that's accurate. But, but in essence, whether your plan works or fails depends, not entirely, but nearly entirely on what you put in that box. Exactly. You know, if you say, I'm going to get a 14% return, you can have a very small nest egg and it's going to look great. And you want to take out the probability of mortality. And again, most people kind of laugh at us, but we, we push them out to age 100. But at the same point in time, we want, we want to demonstrate to us as well as to our clients that your money is going to last the rest of your life. Right. There's and a buffer a, there. We, and we put other factors in there, yeah. but not only, not only inflation and, and additional costs and healthcare delivery and things like that, but most importantly, we put in variance of returns yeah. to see what, how that's going to impact your, your portfolio. Yeah, because most people, when they think about you know, those calculations for their nest egg, right. they're thinking of a number, a specific, you know, finite Yes or no, am I going to make it? But that's not the reality. Like what we kind of get to is trying to determine where that line is, but also a, a range of outcomes, a range of possibilities mm -hmm. that would still be okay. And so one version, um, when we sit down with a client, it, it, it's, it's a, not say it's a custom drafted, but it relates to them to say, not just you have to you know, get X amount of dollars and we assume 6% return, but we want to say, based on what you have, you could get returns you know, from 3% to 7%. And any of those would would hit your goals. Now, of course, that means that that three percent is the, the bottom of it, you know. But we know, you know, the the returns you might get could change over time, and even the sequence of returns. Yeah. If the first few years of retirement, you have some really strong markets. Like people, if they would have retired in say 2019, and they had 2019 was a solid year, 2020 ended up being a solid year, mm -hmm. 2021 was a solid year. If they actually retired and left all their you know funds well invested. They're probably in a really good shape, right? You know, if someone on the flip side, you know, 2008, if if they're retiring or just before the doctor. I mean, going back to the sequence of returns, you can have the flip side of that, right? Somebody could retire and all of a sudden their portfolio drops 10, 20, 30. You know, people retired in 2008, yeah. And still, I think there's a lingering um, panic or a lingering doubt about the economy going forward. And I hear from clients, you know, I always hear, I always love the comment. They say we're going to have a crash. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, who are they? Mm. And what's the qualification of that of that particular opinion? Yeah. And oftentimes it's somebody who's a panic pusher that's trying to sell you something. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't. It's hard for me to get a hold of that one. I guess is what yeah. I'm saying because I don't think that works out over the long term and even the short term. Yeah. So, so in working with an advisor, you know, a lot of what we do and a lot of advisors do is they go through what's called a Monte Carlo simulation. Right. They'll say if you took your plan, your expenses, your assets. And they run it with what if you get you know one percent? What if mm -hmm. you get four percent? What if you get six percent? You know, it, it's a, a thousand or so different iterations to kind of get your range of possibilities. 
Um, and even you know what years you might get a 6%, what years you might get a 1%. And then it, it provides not just a number, a yes, no answer, but a, a range of possibilities, a range of likely, statistically likely outcomes. And you know, in talking through it with a client, it, it's it's just more complex than you know plugging into a calculator online and saying, here's my number, I'm good, we'll be exactly. fine. But exactly. to say, here's, here's a, a realm in which I will really struggle, and here's a realm which my retirement will be wonderful, yeah. and, and kind of walking that through and adjusting as, as life changes. And again, those adjustments, we, what we do is we build that in the plan, and that's why we're suggesting to people that are heading into retirement that you build a plan. We go through the variances that we're talking about here on the program today. Um, it, it's really important that you plan by the numbers and you have the you have all of those things included within the plan so that your outcome is what you expect it to be, not something um, obviously disappointing. So. Yeah, and it's not dependent on one assumption. You know, that, that I think in right. my mind, that's the worst is to get your plan that works, but right. it's all on this linchpin of I assumed I get 10%. Well, that, that's a big assumption. You know, that right. really uh, puts sure your does. plan in jeopardy. Right. So anyway, um, again, we've given you a lot of information. If you'd like to know more about what we're talking about, of course, just give us a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. We'd be more than happy to sit down and talk with you. Stay tuned for our next section. What we're going to talk about is tactical asset management. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. This is the section that we refer to as tactical asset management. We have a really hot subject here to talk to you about, and the, the premise of the whole segment of this is how high will interest rates go? What's going to happen with inflation and mm. what's going to be the cause and effect of that over the course of time and yep. whether it be short term or long term. And there's a lot of information that we want to share with you. And, and candidly, it's going to be hard to share all the information with you that we have that uh, we in the time frame that we have yeah. allotted for this. Yeah, one. and I think we're, I you mean, know, we will talk about this, I'm sure, in, in multiple programs going forward. But th this is a topic that, that that's big for everyone. I mean, you, we're, we're seeing inflation. We're seeing, you know, scary headline inflation, um, more so than I think that we're seeing deep inflation throughout. But the interest rates, you know, the, the Fed made a comment that they're going to be raising rates. And they're going to be raising rates at in the short term through this year, 2022, maybe possibly over into 2023, but probably a faster pace than than they've done since probably 2005. So yeah. it, it's going to be a short-term squeeze, I guess is the best way to say that. Yeah. And to get that right is the concern. You know, do they right. do it too slow and you know, we see more inflation? Do they do it too quickly and it, it slumps the economy? You know, one of the the, the sayings is is that often taming inflation means putting the the economy into a slump. 
Or that, even into a recession. I mean, that's the bad word, right? Right. Yeah, re recession is more than a slump, if you, right? If you, want to, if you want to kill inflation, put the economy in recession. I mean, right. that's what happens. But I think the Federal Reserve is hoping that supply chains will heal mm. uh, through this year and it'll ease off the pricing going forward. And so they're hoping that the increases in interest rates won't kill the economy, but just dampen it in the areas where it needs to be kind of tamped down a little bit. Right. And it's funny, in, in the long run, you know, the economists are right. They usually you know, figure this out. But uh, I think the other saying is, uh, in the long run, we're all dead. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it, it, we, we need True. some of this to get fixed this year and next year. You know, it, it's not something that they can say, well, it'll, it'll sort itself out and we'll be fine in you know, 15 years. It, it, it's the timing that they have. I think the real and I, um, And I struggle. think the markets are reflecting. Um, realistically they are reflecting that expectation of higher interest rates that's why we've seen volatility and there's some other factors that have caused it also recently yeah but generally speaking interest rates we don't see based on the data and the information that we're gathering we don't see interest rates in this long-term trend higher yeah it, it and we don't see inflation as this long-term trend higher yeah to, to match to match inflation like right I was meeting with someone yesterday we're talking about seven percent inflation that's the number that they keep hearing and seeing and and we talked about that and one you know there might be some issues with that number in and of itself but you know is that going to be sustained beyond six months beyond a year and so i mean we, we've been in an era of, of cheap money i mean not quite free money but the interest rate for the last decade has been 2.5 percent yeah you know that that is a whole i'll say a generation but a whole group of borrowers that are used to easy money, corporations, and Not just here in the United States, I mean, all over the world. I mean, yeah. they've had this low interest rate environment for the last 10 years. Yeah, and realizing even back to 1990, which isn't that long ago, but it was, it was 5%. Right. Like that, that was the, the normal interest rate. So that we've had this this 2.5% as a, as a real nice, but that, that might be coming to an end. You know, and we might be in an era where, you know, having higher interest rates than that, higher inflation potentially may be coming. And there's a number of drivers. We have a few of those we'll talk about. I mean, right. one I think is, they call about um, techno optimism. You know, so many people are excited about uh, technology of what's happening. And even though we're in a hard spot, I think people are still optimistic about the future. I mean, there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of productivity. There's a lot of things that are changing. And with on the flip side, you know, they also have this savings glut. And I think we'll talk right. about that a little more. But, you know, in my mind, there's not a lot of savings. But there has been. I mean, the, the numbers shake out that the world and our country, we're, we're saving. Yeah, we're saving. We're saving. And, and the reason for that is demographics. It's because we have an aging population and not just here in the United States, but also all over the world. And it looks like it's going to continue because mm. the procreation, in other words, we're not making babies. And virtually every country, uh, 80 countries are at a flat growth rate mm. population wise. Now that includes China and India also, which are some of the most largest. Yeah, yeah, and they most normally popular. have the highest number of, of babies. You know, the fertility rate is really high there, but they have dropped it down to actually two. Mm. So that means that they cannot sustain their population or have an average growth rate. They'll actually decrease, yeah. and the number of people above fifty by twenty by twenty one hundred is going to be substantially higher than what it is right now. So. What, what I guess what I'm getting to is that we don't see these interest rates climbing high because the supply and the demand will kick in mm. because the savings glut that not only individuals have because of the higher retirement, the higher demographics that we have, but also governments mm. and corporations have piled up a large amount of money. Piles of money, yep. And that you got that huge supply is going to drive interest rates back down again is what I'm saying. Yep. No, I think you're right. And I think the as we look forward, there's the the age is also the the I guess call it a wealth gap. 
of you know America specifically is, is having a a divide. I think that the, the rich are getting richer, that the poor are having struggle, and that middle class is getting squeezed. Right. And as people get more wealthy, they're able to save more. Right. You know, and, and that's a it's a, it's a squeeze on um, how much money is available in the market, how much is being reinvested, how much is being spent. Right. And that will slow down that that interest rate. So I mean, think about it like a teeter totter, and the more people that are in that uh, fifty and above those people have a tendency to save more. And we're having a higher percentage of those people in that age group, not only here in the United States, but also worldwide. So as that continues to to continue to grow, more and more people in that particular category are going to save more money. Hmm. They are in turn, where are they going to put it? They're going to put it in the bank. They're going to put it in investments. That's going to be, but that's going to be, um, it's going to be anti-inflationary is what I'm saying. Now, the people that are the household formations, the younger people and such as that, that are just starting out in life, they have a tendency to have a lesser amount of income. So therefore, they have to, they spend all of their income and they borrow. But the teeter-totter shows mm. that they're going to be in a smaller percentage in relationship to the age back, you know, the, the, the group of people that are in that older bracket. So you're going to have this dis, disproportionate uh, amount of savings glut. And they've talked about it. That we've had a lot of converse, conversation with economists and studies and reports that show that. And they're talking about a global savings glut, and that's not mm. going to go away. Right. And and what do they do with that? I mean, it's not going to come flushing out. These these people you know, who are getting wealthier and getting older, they're going to use it for their lives. Right. You know, they're going to hold on to it. And, and companies being the other aspect of this, a lot of companies have a lot of cash that they are sitting on. And they're, they're using it not in... Um, what used to be you know, machines and manufacturing, they're using it a lot for intellectual property items. The yeah, I mean, again, the labor, the labor pressure that a, that a company is going to go under, whether it be servicing to manufacturing to whatever, they're going to figure out technology-wise, you know, technology how, how can they reduce the cost of labor in their company? Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen you know, yeah. from yeah. Their, all, all across the board. Yeah, they're going to fit. New, new technologies, I mean, are already coming in and they will continue to. The other big use is, you know, supply chain. There's a lot of people, a lot of companies that are trying to shore up their supply chains. They're trying to diversify. It's a big deal. Amongst, you know, I mean, a good example being the microchip um, processors that that people are trying to use multiple companies and get their supplies there. And the third kind of leg of that, of what companies are looking to do, is the decarbonization. There's been a big push, and there continues to be a, a push to be either carbon neutral or carbon less. <laughs> and so companies are spending a lot of funds in this um, in that area to make sure they're. Uh, Carbon responsible, I guess. And none of us want to pay more for gas at the pump. But the reality is, as we push more and more for this decarbonization, in other words, this net neutral, so to speak, from an environmental standpoint, and it looks like it's got it's got momentum that's not going to stop. So that means that we are going to be spending more for gas. But that also means that the companies, you know, I'm talking about the countries that produce oil, are going to receive more for their product they produce. That's going to cost anywhere. I don't want to get too technical here, but there's a balance of mm. Of, of economies here. And they're going to be spending more and more of their money to keep their economies even. That's going to, again, that's going to increase the savings glut. That's going mm-hmm. to put more and more money, but it's a rebalancing of the economies across the world. But it is not inflationary, folks. It is, in fact, the exact opposite when it comes down to it. So we don't see inflation uh, going much past this year. We, yeah. we think by 2024, We'll probably be back to what we call neutral, about 2%. Yeah. And the question is, what kind of interest rates, I guess, for this section, what kind of interest rates are going to get us there? Right. You know, inflation, once supply lines are, are dealt with, you know, once the economy is kind of normalizing, ideally, we'll get done with inflation. But where will we be left at with interest rates? Yeah, it looks like we might be above 2.5%. Ideally, we'll come back to that and that'll be nice for everyone. Yeah. But if we end up with 
you know, 5% interest rates. Um, even though that, that feels different, that may, be, that may be more historically consistent with where we, where we might end up. So, I mean, how your portfolios are structured through this whole thing is that, again, we've rotated and started to rebalance portfolios uh, starting last year to value-based stocks. And everybody's talking about value-based because they've been kind of out of favor for the last several years. But these are the companies that can sustain uh, through this temporary time of inflation before we get into the next phase. So anyway, uh, there's just a lot of data. And what we don't want to do is become nerdy over, mm -hmm. the, over the radio and just throw you a bunch of information that... Um, you know, that you're saying, what are these guys talking about? But again, it's really important that we understand how we tactically manage clients' portfolios through this time of volatility. Stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about news you can use. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. Hey, if you're retired or approaching retirement, listen up. Retirement planning is critical to your financial health. And like choosing the right doctor, your financial planner must be able to understand your concerns, help you navigate through your retirement, which can be filled with uncertainty, volatility. Certified financial planner Randy Barkley has been assisting clients for 30 years by helping them understand all the information that to most of us can be overwhelming. Go to retirementunlimited.org or call Randy Barkley for a no-obligation appointment at 888-627-8371. That's 888-627-8371, retirementunlimited.org. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. For news you can use, we're discussing an article. In fact, this is a subject matter that we've talked about in the past. I want to bring it back up again because I think it's going to have a phenomenal change for some people mm. out there that are listening to us. And that is this, um, it's, it's, it's this AB, what sure. is the legislation? SB9. 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 So basically it's the California Housing Authority and More Efficiency Act, but it allows property owners to add dwellings on their property. Yeah, no, this is great. I mean, California has been under such restrictions and limitations that it's been hard to build anywhere. Right. Um, there's one they call a, a banana strategy, the, the build absolutely nothing anywhere near anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but really what California has done, it, it's, it's restricted so many homeowners that it's, it's made these large developers who can come into these large programs that have you know, low income requirements, they have water reclamation pro, uh, requirements. There's all these things that it, it takes a lot of money to build in California. And what this SB9 is doing is basically saying almost any lot um, of a certain size, but almost any lot can be subdivided and put a duplex on each subdivision. So in essence, four dwelling units put on each property. Not that you have to do all four, but it allows a lot of folks to, if they have some space in the back of their their, their property, to divide their property, leave their, their primary residence, and build a duplex on the other piece that's a rental property. Right. It, you know, this They're trying to allow from the, the legislative, you know, let the government do it perspective in California, to now saying, well, maybe let's let the free market do it. If somebody wants to change their property to have some extra income, let's let them spend it. Let's them let, let them develop it. Um, and, Use their money, not yeah, not you know, not government program funded, right. but let them do it and let them take the risk and let this you know change housing in California. I mean, we have such a hard time getting into houses that this could open up a lot more units. Yeah, and it, again, you have four thousand jurisdictions that uh, they're trying to work with this, and they've been miserably unsuccessful in increasing and lowering the cost of housing. So this is an attempt, and this has been done in other parts of the country, and frank, frankly, I'm not opposed to this. It allows individual single-family residents, single-family homeowners to develop their property and add additional dwellings. Now, a lot of people would call these like granny flats and you mm -hmm. know some other things like that. They coin it that. 
But this actually, you can build it for anything you want, yeah. you know, and, and you can just build it on your property. Which and, is which is new. I mean, here in Riverside, right. as with a lot of cities, we've been limited in what we're able to build. Um, I think it's a, a good choice. There's always going to be the, the idea that I don't want my neighbor to build a duplex and turn this into a rental. But it's it's the reality of California needs more houses. Yeah. And again, if you'd like to have a copy of this article, it's, it's called California's Free Market Housing Fix. Contact our office and we'll be more than happy to send out a free reprint to you. I'm encouraging my clients to take a good hard look at this. And there's ways to do this at very low cost or no cost to see whether or not their properties would qualify. Thank you for listening. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on a future episode, send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, which is retirementunlimited.com. Or just simply go to our office and give us a call at 951-684-7011. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney-client or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567, and Jeremiah Lee is a California license attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.